2: Hello, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast. My name is Dan Sanio, and I am joined by my lovely, lovely, lovely co-host, Mr. Nathan Powell tonight on this lovely evening. Nathan, how are you doing today? Splendid, my dear sir. Splendid on this Monday uh, afternoon. It's definitely Monday night.
1: And then people are listening to this probably on a Tuesday.
2: That's right. They will be listening on a Tuesday and they'll also get to hear one more glorious voice on that Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, who knows, maybe you'll tune in on Thursday, but we do have somebody with us uh, maybe for a short while, maybe for an extended period. We have the man himself. No, not the man himself, but one of the men, Mr. John Bosch running all of these lovely eliminators, uh, getting people just psyched up about not only SFB, but all of the charitable causes, all sorts of fun stuff. John, we love you for doing all of this. Welcome to the show. How are you tonight?
4: I am doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. It's fun to get Fun to get a talk about these. They are definitely unique. Nathan's just filled up and I think is getting ready to go. Dan, we have a few spots left in yours to get going. So let's get some people fired up for the fantasy cares eliminators.
1: So, so a fun eliminator story. I, I obviously I did. I tweeted a few times prior to mine filling And uh, my fiance said, you have 5000 followers. Why haven't 15 of them (laughs) joined? And then then she claimed she, she has like 76 followers on Twitter. And she went through her 76 followers and pointed out 16 people who would have joined the minute it got tweeted out if she had a fantasy eliminator.
2: Let's get her one. Honestly, let's set her up. She can probably fill in faster than I can because apparently I can't. So that's just, you know what? We figured it out though. It's because they want to join yours for free money and they're really afraid of me for some odd reason. I, I don't understand that.
4: It's definitely the fear of the former <laughs> SFB champion, right? So.
2: Formerly former. Two um, minutes.
4: I think it's two minutes.
2: <laughs> so, where are we at for totals this year, John? How, how's, the, uh, how's the donations looking?
4: So for right now, total donations, and I actually got cut off by uh, Venmo, which is how I send it to Scott to deposit in the Fantasy Cares account. Lovely. I got cut off the other day because I had sent too much, <laughs> but we're, we're at about $4,000 right now, which is awesome because so we're pretty early on in it. Usually these take all of June and a little bit into July. So got a few more weeks where I'll be pumping these out and hopefully we'll end up getting close to that $10,000 mark that I really would like to
2: get. That's so awesome, dude. Uh, and everybody that's listening, make sure you you hop in and go sign up. You don't have to get into mine, I, although I'd like to get drafting sooner rather than later. <laughs> there's there's plenty more folks out there with with open spots and it's a $10 game, uh unless it's noted otherwise. There's a few other people doing some higher dollar ones, but I think those ones filled, haven't they?
4: Yeah, all the uh kind of special ones like the the auctions, the blind bid one, all those start uh hit filled, except for the major league baseball players. They're they're a little bit more expensive because you know you get to play a fantasy football league against a major league baseball player. That's that's kind of a little bit of a bonus. So those ones are still a little bit more than the ten bucks. Those are twenty five. Dan, you have four spots left, so I don't think it'll take long before you're drafting. So Usually four. once once you get down to that like four, then it gets to two real fast, and then it's just that all I all we do have to do is say we need two more to fill it, and people jump in and they're ready to go. Then
2: love it. And I, so I've got four left and I did tweet out the other day that, uh, anybody that joins mine, I will donate $10 per person that outlasts me. So just eliminate me week one. Maybe, you know what, maybe I'll just throw it and then. (laughs) Donate
4: $160. <laughs> That's uh, that sounds like that sounds like already hedging your bets saying, Oh, I just threw it. Yeah, that was intentional. I just wanted to be charitable. I think you could yeah. win and still be charitable. I don't think it's against the rules to win and still be charitable. Oh Definitely.
2: no, I, yeah. I will be charitable one way or another, but I just want the folks to get in and eliminate <laughs> me right away.
4: I love I love it when people put the little extra something a little extra on it. Nobody has to, but a lot of people do kick in little extra things, and there are there's all kinds of extra prizes. Uh, for every five entries, you get a lotto ticket to get in the Scott Fishbowl. So, I mean, that's, that's the huge golden ticket prize. We also have a couple ultimate draft kits from the fantasy footballers. We've got subscriptions of varying lengths to DLF, to Dynasty Trade Calculator. Shane from Dynasty Trades HQ, uh, DFF, he's kicking in some stuff. So we've got Orange Reports to give away. I think there's still more. I should have pulled up the entire list. That's off memory.
2: So also, there,
4: lots of prizes
2: being cash. given out. Yeah, that's that's super awesome. And where you don't even
4: have to win for those prizes; you just have to sign I up know. and play, and then right. there's going to be random raffle to give away all these prizes to everybody playing. So
2: that's the best part about it, and and obviously, well, the best part about it is is the charity is making sure that uh Fantasy Cares is is fully stocked with the cash that they need to to do everything they can this year for Toys for Tots and, and all of, you know, making sure the kids got stuff on Christmas and, and just making sure that, that no one has to, has to go with, without, uh, even if it's just for a short while. So, um, John, where's the best way for everyone to go and sign up if they haven't seen it, maybe they haven't heard of it. If they've been living under a rock, give them a couple of avenues to find that.
4: Yeah. So the easiest way to find it is just to go to my pinned tweet. I am at John Bosch FF on Twitter. My pinned tweet will have the link that'll take you there. And it's got the list of all the open eliminators. That's the easiest way. The the websites, my dynasty game night podcast website, which is literally just there to basically post podcasts. But at the bottom of it, there's also a sign up now. So that's an easy place to house it, but the website address isn't as easy to give out. So just (laughs) find my, find my Twitter pinned tweet and you'll see it along timelines as people
1: retweet it as well to get you to sign up for theirs. All righty. Now we have covered the eliminators. We're going to move on to letting you know, that you can get a 10% listeners only discount to the roto NFL Pass, the NFL podcast homepage. rodoviscom slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our premium NFL content. And best of all, it supports the podcast. And as a thank you for your awesome support, we have a roto NFL Pass to give away. All you need to do is subscribe, rate, and review the roto radio channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Do us a solid and hit that rate button and doing so gain an entry to our giveaway. Each of his podcast you rate and review will count as an entry. The more reviews, the more chance you have to win. And here's another cool thing. If any current his subscribers wins, they'll get an additional year added on to their current subscription. So there's literally no reason not to enter. The winner will be announced on an upcoming show. Rate and review the his network on iTunes and enter now. So all sorts of podcasts, make sure you rate and review all of them. And we'll get into the show, talk some football. Last week, we talked about undervalued players and bad offenses and overvalued players and good offenses. And this week, we're flipping the script, going undervalued players in good offenses, overvalued players, and bad offenses. So we'll start off with John here. John, one of the better offenses last year and one of the projected better offenses in the NFL uh, this coming year is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If there is an undervalued player in that offense, who would you say that is right now?
4: Yeah. Uh, taken from your cheat sheet, it's definitely the running back position. <laughs> uh, the wide receivers are obviously extremely expensive. OJ Howard is not going to come along cheap. And even Jameis Winston in Superflex seems to have regained all the value that he lost in the past. So it's the running back group. And you can take your pick as far as I'm concerned. I will take any one of them at an extremely cheap price. Rojo's probably the most expensive. Is that right? I mean... Peyton Barber feels like basically a a throw into anything. Bruce Anderson is a late draft pick, so I'll take any one of them. And if you get lucky and you get a little bit of production out of them, that's a great way to fill a running back slot.
2: You could legitimately pick up the entire backfield for probably the equivalent of a future second. Assuming assuming someone's given up on Rojo already. Obviously, Peyton Barber isn't the sexy name. And anything beyond that is just mostly waiver wire fodder. Obviously guys are going to be stashing some of these folks just in case the Ronald Jones thing doesn't play out, but it sounds like Ronald Jones is they're at least going to make an attempt at having Ronald Jones be the guy this year. And I'm, I'm kind of on board with that take as well. I still think, and even though I think Jameis Winston's an actual bad quarterback, his fantasy outlook is pretty immense. And that's, you know, it it could just be a one year thing. It could bring him back long term if he does have a good season. But he's still, I think, a little bit undervalued. Even if it is just a short-term thing, he's starting to get a lot more steam because of what he's surrounded with and the offense that he's now in. Because you don't have to be a good quarterback to be a good fantasy asset. Obviously, that hurts your longevity. But I think he's in for, I mean, easily a QB1 season this year and potentially top five, six, seven, eight just because of what he has around him and the type of offense he's got going on. So while I do think Ronald Jones is the clear answer, I think, I think Jameis, especially in a super flex setting, may still be uh, a pretty good go-to move.
1: Yeah, with Ronald Jones last year when he was going in the mid to late first of rookie drafts, you're betting on the talent of Ronald Jones. Now with his acquisition price around, I'd probably say a mid-second, maybe an early second for those that are most high on him, uh, at that price you're not no longer betting on his talent you're betting on the situation that he's in in a situation with no no you know real competition uh Peyton Barber is you know a, a jag just a guy and so w- when you're trying to acquire Ronald Jones right now you're not betting on the talent you're betting on the great situation that he's in with the lack of competition and there are very there there are a lot of ways uh for Ronald Jones to outperform his current ADP his current price just by being the RB1 in that Bucks offense, even if they do end up investing in the running back position in 2020. Although it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case because Bruce Arians uh, had a quote recently about he doesn't really care about running backs. He doesn't need to have, you know, a David Johnson or a Todd Gurley. He just needs a guy that can be an RB1 uh, in the NFL offense. And, John, I want to thank you for for hopping on. I know you got to head out to one of your other 18 podcasts to promote the Eliminators. Thanks for giving your Bucks take, and we'll uh, talk to you guys soon
4: appreciate it and Nathan uh just confirm the final payment in your league your draft starts in 10 minutes have fun
1: <laughs> <laughs> there we go
4: all right see you guys thanks a
2: lot see you John thank you sir and there he goes John Bosch out the door uh again appreciate having him with us make sure you go check out everything uh he said you know go in and see his pinned tweets uh check out the FF eliminators and start getting your charity on you know all right, sliding over to our next offense, we're gonna go uh, you know a little a little north of where we just were in Tampa Bay, and we're gonna slide into Atlanta, the Falcons, who kind of just perennially a strong offense. Whether it's Matt Ryan kind of fluctuating between you know a top five QB or like a top fifteen QB, the always dominant Julio Jones, a backfield that's been able to put out some really nice numbers and kind of a little bit under the radar tight end position. But I think there's one person uh, that stands kind of alone here, Nathan, and that would be Devonta Freeman. He obviously has struggled with injuries, and the timeshare with Tevin Coleman never really hurt either one of them. If anything, it kind of helped. And now he's most likely in another timeshare, maybe with an Ido Smith or Brian Hill, whoever it happens to be. That's going to kind of pick up the little bit of extra baggage, but we didn't really get to see him much last year. And he obviously was, was not playing healthy when he was in there. So do we feel like Devont is a, kind of a risky undervalued player here, or do we think that he's going to come in fully recovered and be kind of back to that RB one we saw before these injuries?
1: He certainly has a lower floor for an undervalued player. But uh, I think that of of the players we're gonna talk about today, he might have the highest one-year ceiling. He's a back who in that offense can be a top five, top six NFL running back. Uh, you know, in, in PPR especially, you can get 50-60 catches. I don't quite buy into Edo Smith or Cadre Allison or whoever else they have in that Atlanta backfield taking any sort of touches away from Freeman. So he has all of the, you know, aspects to be a a workhorse back in 2019. So, I mean, the the only real concern here is is the concussions is the injuries, but I think those can be more of a long-term concern than a short-term concern. So as long as he's healthy in 2019, I don't see him not being an RB one at least. And certainly he's not being valued that way at this moment.
2: Right. And obviously the last time he was healthy and on the field, he's, he's rushing for around a thousand yards a season and four and a half yards per carry. And he's scoring touchdowns. And in in this offense, obviously those are going to be kind of what leads the way, you know, going, going for decent touchdown numbers, not obviously overwhelming, you know, mid teens or anything like that, but he should be able to put up 10, 12, no problem, whether it's on the ground or through the air. I think he's capable of doing both of those things. And he still is just 27 not a dinosaur by any means he's starting to get up there for a running back especially one with an injury history but because of the cost of acquisition honestly i i don't really hate going out and buying him pretty aggressively because of the potential that like you mentioned the one-year potential for freeman is pretty darn high and if he comes back healthy and he's able to sustain you're looking at a pretty nice three-year window in my opinion uh i think they may be target running back in the future in the in the coming years but i think freeman's got a pretty good chance at, at being at least a high-end RB2 for the next few years.
1: Yeah, here's some of the guys that are currently being drafted around Freeman. You have Geis, who has certainly the injury uh, concerns as well as the uh, offensive concerns. Uh, you have uh, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Philip Lindsay, Daryl Henderson. So th- there's a lot of – I mean, certainly – Freeman has question marks in his own right, but it's not like the guys that are being drafted around him have, you know, a, a clean bill of health or a clean, you know, dynasty
2: value. Right, and as far as other folks in this offense, I don't think anybody's really being truly undervalued. I think Austin Hooper um, is starting to kind of get around the spot where he should be. Maybe still just a little bit low for the potential there. I think Julio's probably in the right spot considering his age and the only other one that maybe is close to being undervalued is Calvin Ridley. I think his age questions and and you know his size and all that stuff coming out, I think were were legitimate concerns and obviously he's a little bit older for for being, you know, his time in the NFL, but I still think he's going to be really productive for you know, however long that offense is built together, you know, with Julio still there, I think Calvin's a really, really nice wide receiver two in an NFL offense. And I think he can put up probably solid wide receiver, three numbers at the end of the day. So I think Devonta's is definitely the, the clear target, but I feel like for an, an always solid offense, some of these guys are even at their regular, their standard market price are pretty decent for, for where they're at. So.
3: The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season, 40 to 75% off everything, plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99, logo styles from $16.99, and jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com.
2: Okay, let's slide into another offense. We'll hop on over to the AFC here for, for a little bit. And let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts, the return of that genetically modified shoulder or elbow or whatever the hell it was with Andrew Luck. And kind of another team filling in some pieces around the quarterback. So you've got uh, guys like T.Y. Hilton. They're bringing in Paris Campbell. Uh, you've got a couple of nice tight ends in Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. You've got a backfield. What's that? And Devin Funches. And Devin Funchess, the, <laughs> the eternal tight end himself. And a backfield kind of filled with some talent, whether it's Marlon Mack or Naheem Hines, even Jordan Wilkins getting some looks. And uh, I, I feel like this is probably one of the better offenses Andrew Luck has had in his career. And if he can continue to build on what he got going last year, I feel like this could be one of the top few offenses in the league. Whether that's time sharing in the backfield, which I think is probably a little bit inevitable, I think Mac probably dominates the ground touches. Hines is in there quite a bit for uh, anything through the air, and the defense is, you know, getting better. So maybe we see an offense that can kind of rely on the run a little bit more, not have to rely on the shoulder of Andrew Luck. But we do have, and again, this is just our opinions. My opinion, Nathan's opinion. In my opinion, one of the more underrated guys in the entire nfl regardless of how good their offense is or how bad their offense is and that is ty hilton nathan how are you feeling about ty hilton right now and is it someone that on any contender you're aggressively looking to buy or just buying in general because of you know he's he's going pretty cheap and even mid-season once he has a few big games you could probably flip him for a nice a nice turnaround
1: yeah, now is the time to buy Hilton. I I do believe he's had some injury concerns this offseason, which has lowered his price on on the market. I, I will say that when I when I was you know trying to come up with the undervalued player in this offense, Hilton is just the, the go-to guy that you always end up going with, the old, the older veteran, the guy who's consistently putting up good numbers. But then when I looked at ADP, guys that are going ahead of him are pretty much all guys that I'd rather have than Hilton. You have uh, Keenan Allen, Antonio Brown, Adam Thielen, and Brandon Cooks. The only one that I consider Hilton over would be Thielen there. But so, I mean, maybe he's appropriately valued. And one guy that I wasn't thinking about that you did mention would be Naheem Hines. I, I feel like his his ceiling is not being accounted for. Uh, many people are, are accounting for the ceiling of Marlon Mack and his price, but... Naheem Hines has like an RB2 type ceiling and he's currently probably being valued as an RB4, maybe a high end uh, or a low end RB3.
2: No doubt. No doubt. I think Hines can be a legitimate, you know, PPR back. Uh, I think Max getting to the point where he's probably overvalued and you know, that that's going to happen, especially with, with two down type backs. I know there's a lot of folks that think Matt can do it all. I'm not saying he's a bad pass catcher. He's just not, really even close to what Naheem Hines is. So I, I feel like um, in that offense with those two pass catchers for sure, they're, they're not going to take away from one another where the tight ends probably will take away from one another. I, I feel like both of these guys, because of the volume in that offense, could be could be really nice ads, especially if you're looking on the high end for someone like T.Y. Hilton or even in the mid-tier for someone like Naheem Hines. You, could, you can really fill your roster out nicely with a couple of these guys from the Colts.
1: Yep, for sure. All right, let's move on to the other end of Deflate Gate, the Patriots, <laughs> New England Patriots. It could be a, there's a, a number of intriguing options here, but right now for this offseason, as of the the latest blurbs, I'm going to say Sony Michelle is the most undervalued player in this good offense, and that's because there was a bit of Damian Harris hype at, right after the NFL draft. But the Damian Harris hype over the last, you know, week, week and a half has been an all time high people, you know, freaking out about the the Sonny Michelle knee scope. I know that there's been some positive words out of that more recently, but I don't think people are reacting to that as much as they were reacting to the initial news that he got his knee scoped like a month ago. So I, I, I think that people are giving the job to Damian Harris a little bit prematurely. I think that he is going to still be the goal linebacker like he was last year. And, you know, I think he's, he's the better back between the two and he's going to be the, the RB one in a good NFL offense, which is all you really need to be productive fantasy fancy play.
2: So I, I think, you know, that I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I, I've been somewhat out on Sony, basically the entirety of his time with new England, obviously landing in new England could be a dream, but it also can be the nightmare with the way that they like to use their running backs. We saw James White have a massive season, and I think he's probably the running back that's annually underappreciated. Because I'm the one that usually goes after the PPR backs and not the carry eaters. Which I do agree that Sony's probably going to dominate anything on the ground. The problem is, is that's not enough to overtake someone uh, a, a pass catching back, you know, a PPR back or pass catching back. They're going to be worth more per touch than than a two down back. It's You know, obviously, you need a good amount of volume both ways to make it really matter. Um, And the fact that they brought in Damian Harris, especially where they did, is a little bit concerning to me. Obviously, it's a team that's trying to help Tom Brady as he slides into his 50s these days, and they're they're probably going to want to run the ball more. And you know, maybe maybe Harris is there to spell Michelle, so they don't have to kill him during the regular season and. And they can kind of save him for the playoffs because I do agree that overall he's probably the better back. I think Harris brings more to the table from a pass catching standpoint, but that's not what we're talking about here. Cause I still think James white is that guy for them. So it's a weird one. I'm not going to say that Michelle's undervalued because he got overvalued really, really quickly because of the production he was able to put out mostly because of his touchdowns. And I don't think the touchdowns are as sustainable uh, obviously, that's a t- that's a team that's going to be scoring a ton of points per usual. But to assume that all of those are going to continue to go back to him. It's hard for me to jump on that bandwagon, especially bringing in a new body. James White still being there, bringing in Nikhil Harry, obviously Grant leaving, you know, and he wasn't super you know, in it for for last year and the last few. But, you know, there's there's some some looks to be had for that one. And Julian Edelman still being there. Uh, we'll see what happens with Josh Gordon. I don't know. It's it's a tough one. I, I'm not one that's really ever aggressively buying a Patriots running back unless it's James White, and I can get him for really cheap. All right, so I'll present a scenario
1: to you then. Uh, you have a, a team that is considered the favorite in the league. You consider yourself an RB2 away from pretty much locking up the championship outside of you know ridiculous playoff luck. You have a late first. Are you trading that late first for Sony Michelle, or is there another back that you consider around that type of value?
2: Well, if you can get him for a late first, I'm not sure that you can get him for a late first. Though. A
1: late 2021 is what I'm talking about because that that the I feel like that has more value, obviously, than a late 19 first, which is already gone pretty much.
2: Yeah, even then, I think I feel like his his perceived value is is a good amount higher than that. You'd probably need two of those to actually get him off of an owner, even though I'm I'm not paying that. I would absolutely pay one late first because I do think that amount of points is there, but I don't see him as a two first type player or, you know, a, a first and a solid piece type player. I would say he's probably a, a future mid or a future semi early first just to mm-hmm. get the cut, the ball kind of rolling on that one. But yeah, I, if people are selling for a late first, a, a late rookie first, absolutely 100% go make those moves because that's, that makes sense. But the I think the perceived the perceived value, especially for those that have owned him or were high on him and now think um things are going to get better, those are gonna be the spots where it's gonna to be tough to get him. So if you've got someone panicking over the Damian Harris drafting or the knee scope or whatever it happens to be, I think those are the player or those are the owners that you want to target, try to get Sonny Michelle from.
1: All right. We're done talking about the good offenses. Now it's time to talk about overvalued players and those poo-poo bad offenses uh just so you guys know we we are switching up a couple of these last last week we talked about totally different uh really good offenses because I feel like there's more good offenses to talk about but we will repeat some teams on the bad offenses because there's only so many bad offenses so we will talk about the Cincinnati Bengals as far as overvalued players who would be your overvalued Bengal right now Dan
2: that's kind of a tough one because I feel like most everybody is is kind of in a a spot where they belong. I think there was some weird Andy Dalton hype at, at a point during the off season that he was starting to move up. And if he has a few good weeks and that hype restarts again, I feel like that'll be him Mixon's starting to creep up there a little bit for me. I'm not sure as, as good as I believe that he is. I'm not sure that he stays healthy long enough to, to return that price tag. Tyler Boyd starting to jump up there a little bit too. And he's, he's, I mean, there's a legitimate conversation of Tyler Boyd versus AJ Green, which to me isn't really all that close. Uh, I would still much rather have AJ Green, but I can understand wanting to take Tyler Boyd. So AJ Green, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe he's still, he's still too high for some folks that aren't on a big fan of the age or coming off injuries, never really seeming to, be 100% in Cincinnati is, I mean, he's had a few just absolute monster seasons. And then a couple of that were just kind of fell shy and uh, always producing though, which is huge for AJ green when he's on the field, he's producing unless of course he's injured. So I, I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a tough one. I would say if someone's legitimately overvalued, it's probably one of the receivers.
1: Yeah. For me, I don't think that AJ green is overvalued, but from a startup type perspective, Every player that's getting drafted around him is almost a lock to be drafted over him this time next year. You have DJ Moore one spot ahead of him. Nikhil Harry one spot below him. Chris Godwin, maybe not as guaranteed. Calvin Ridley, I think that is almost a lock that he's over uh, green this time next year. Uh, Robert Woods, eh. uh, But Mike Williams, Sammy Watkins, just a few of the guys that are going around A.J. Green, I think are much safer bets to maintain or increase value a year from now. But you do have to account for what happens this year. And A.G. Green is getting you those points this year. So you have to account for that. I I think that he's fairly valued at wide receiver 17 on the board right now. But I I do think that there's a bit of, you know what you're getting, you're getting in a diminishing valued
5: asset.
2: Definitely, definitely. And and his value is only going to decrease from this point forward, unless all of a sudden he turns in a wide receiver one season by week 10. You'll have to pay out of your nose to be able to get him. And at that point, you should be in full sell mode, regardless of if you're, if you're contending or not, because so you can get big boy prices for a thirty year old wide receiver coming off injury. I mean, that's that's free money at that point. But yeah, I think I think AJ's kind of on that boundary of being correctly valued or overvalued. Mixon being in the first round to me is probably a little bit much. I think I'm taking. Gurley, even with the big scares there, I'm taking Melvin Gordon. I'm taking David Johnson. I might even take Nick Chubb. And so I think, I think if we're really gonna put a microscope on this, I think Mixon's probably your true overvalue in this offense because, as as much as he's probably a bell cow back, they still have Giovanni Bernard. They bring in Rodney Anderson and Travion, who are neither are a slouch. And I'm not saying that they're going to be taking touches, but maybe he gets hurt and they need to keep him on the mend. And uh, this is a team that's probably still trying to compete in that tough division and they're going to do whatever they can. So if it means that Mixon's banged up and they got to roll with a three headed backfield of Bernard and Williams and Rodney Anderson, assuming he's healthy. Mixon may find himself with a little less work and, and not necessarily that true bell cow position. And he's definitely being drafted as a bell cow. Obviously not one of the elite bell cows, but that next tier guy, because he is that next running back coming off the board after your Saquon, CMC, Alvin Kamara, and Zeke. Uh, once once that tier breaks, Joe, uh, Joe Mixon is, according to ADP, your tier starter for tier two. All right, let's move on to our next offense. And this offense might be so bad that
1: it actually doesn't have any overvalued <laughs> players. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about the Raiders for a minute. Uh, Antonio Brown, obviously the, the big acquisition in the offseason. Joshua Jacobs, the first-round pick. Are either these guys overvalued, or is there someone else in this offense that you're avoiding?
2: If this was a redraft league, Antonio Brown significantly undervalued. I think he has a legitimate shot to be the wide receiver one this year because he's probably going to get something like 180 targets. But beyond that, I'm not super interested in going after any 30 year old wide receivers, especially with that many targets on their body, and also being kind of a lunatic. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of you know it's a it's a full send for me. I'm I was I moved all of my shares probably for too little, but I, I had to get out when I got out, and I, I got decent return in most places. I undersold some places, but I was comfortable in doing so knowing that I was giving up a legitimate wide receiver one season to tap it out. But I don't think there's much beyond that. Now, Josh Jacobs is an interesting one because they drafted him highly and he's going to a backfield that literally has nothing. So maybe, maybe those touches are going to be there and the points are going to be there because they did draft him and I can't imagine they're not going to use him, but are we really looking at a, a top 25 or top 30 asset? Not in this offense, I don't think. So I think because of Derek Carr and because of that offense, it's going to be tough to get the big, big return uh, on your investment for either of these guys, even though, I mean, I do believe that Antonio Brown, at least for one season is going to be a monster and just kind of follow suit with the rest of his career. But I think beyond that, it's bleak to, to, to say the least. And uh, I think Josh Jacobs could be a good back. I think we need to see some turnover in that Oakland offense. And uh, we'll kind of see what he can do. We know we know he's a strong pass catcher. And we know he can do all of those things. So we'll kind of see how he works out on the ground. We'll see how that Oakland line holds up. And we'll see if Derek Carr can return to his, you know, serviceable form or if he's going to be just a polished herd like he was last year.
1: Yeah, if there's an overvalued guy in this offense, it is Antonio Brown in Dynasty. Antonio Brown is overvalued for the same reasons that AJ Green is overvalued. It's not that he, you know, doesn't deserve to be where he's drafted. It's more so that he's guaranteed to be lower on the dynasty ADP dynasty rankings this time next year. Some of the younger guys will leapfrog him, no matter what his uh, his fantasy points are. What I do think it, where he's undervalued is is the fact that in redraft, I've seen him go in the mid late second of some redraft leagues PPR. I think that's bananas for a guy that's all but guaranteed to lead the league in targets uh on a team that is going to be bad enough that they're going to have to pass the ball. So, uh Antonio Brown overvalued in dynasty because he's going to, you know, you know lose some value regardless, but undervalued in redraft.
2: Yeah, so I suppose if you're a title contender and you have a little bit of extra assets to spend, I mean, going and getting the wide receiver one for 2019 may not be the worst thing in the world. You're going to lose on your asset, but winning a championship, I mean, that's probably worth it, right? You pay for your dues for a few years, who knows? <laughs> okay, so we let's slide into uh, the next spot here. And this isn't necessarily going to be a team, but the remainder of a division. We talked about the Patriots on the other side of this coin. We are now going to talk about the non-Patriot AFC East. That could be your Jets, that could be your Bills, that could be your Dolphins. Bunch of just <laughs> garbage. And we wonder how the Patriots consistently come out of the AFC East. Probably because they're actually good, but also they play against hot trash. So Jets, Bills, Dolphins, There's there's not a lot to be to be spread around on any of these offenses as far as folks being overvalued i I really think there's only one high-end asset on here and that's probably Le'Veon bell with the new york jets and buffalo they don't have anything you you can't find real value anywhere aside from if it's a super flex league you probably have to pay up a little bit to get josh allen but he's far from being overvalued so maybe someone in that backfield i i don't know and then we can hop over to Miami. And again, that's that's a team that doesn't, that doesn't have a lot. You know, you've got a, a bunch of wide receiver, three, four, five types. You've got a somewhat sloppy backfield that we would assume Kenyon Drake's going to come out of. And he's probably in that undervalued sector. And then you look at quarterback, and we would assume it's going to be Rosen right away, but they paid Fitzpatrick. So you also think that maybe he gets a little run right away and then – Rosen goes in. I, I don't know what to think of that. So let's start with New York. I would assume this has to be Bell, maybe Darnold, but he still seems like pretty cheap for the most part. Where do you think, feeling about the Jets?
1: Yeah, I, I think the overvalued asset here is on Bell, but he's really because it's the only one that has value. And I think that Darnold is a good buy in Superfucks just because I, I think he's a good quarterback and he's being valued as a guy who still is a pretty large bust potential percentage. So, yeah, Bell Bell is the the bust, the overvalued player here. You know, that the, there's the possibility of Adam Gase not using him correctly. There's the possibility of not being as good a year away from football. So there, there's a number of – and obviously, I mean, it, it's not really talked about as much anymore, but there's always the looming threat of a possible drug suspension because we've seen plenty of players relapse to where they get suspended third, fourth, fifth times.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of got the Ricky Williams type – career path going on here a little bit true honestly a truly elite back that you know just likes to enjoy life a little bit more than getting the crap beat out of him for 17 or 16 weeks out of the year so i i can definitely understand it that but obviously as uh as fantasy players we all want him there for 16, 16 games of of uh, point output so hop over to buffalo someone in the backfield maybe shady I I don't I don't even know what we can call overvalued in this offense
1: yeah the only reason why shady would be overvalued would be because he's not even guaranteed the rb1 job this year Frank Gore is going to steal some carries Devin Singletary if the team ends up being bad they might just say forget McCoy let's just give Singletary as much run as possible to see what he has
2: yeah, uh, just uh, absolute dumpster fire in Buffalo, and I'm sure they all think that they're going to go like ten and six or something. Oh, and, so, and TJ
1: Elden too. I forgot about him. Yeah,
2: just go go hashtag Bills Mafia on Twitter and tell them that they're garbage and see how that works out for you because they'll all tell you they're going twelve and four. Miami, we I guess Rosen in a superflex format because new scenery still has Fitzpatrick there, and the journeyman has been good as of late, at least productive. And there's nothing else really there that could be considered highly valuable, whereas Rosen's Rosen's probably their one piece.
1: Yeah, and I will say that I am a culprit of this. I am guilty of this. I don't think that Rosen owners are currently valuing the possibility of his floor, which is basically you know a backup quarterback this time next year. He could be a backup quarterback this year to Ryan Fitzpatrick. He might not ever come into what we thought he was coming out of college. Now, certainly, you know he's being priced with his ceiling in mind, but I just think that we aren't accounting for his floor as much as we probably should.
2: Yeah, and like you said, floor short term could be backup quarterback, long term could be backup quarterback. You'd like to think with you know the Miami aggressively going and getting him, they'll at least give him his his real shot and do their due diligence. But there's a lot of a lot of outcomes there that that may not be all that great, especially if you're actively buying someone like Josh Rosen. So that's a a tough spot. All right, let's sneak in one final one here. We've got a couple more bad offenses to choose from. We can flip a coin between Jacksonville or the Washington football team names and maybe just talk about both of them, I guess. Jacksonville, there's kind of... I guess Leonard Fournette who we continue to talk about as potentially overvalued. We talked it so, so much that now he's launched himself into the abyss and is probably being correctly valued. The only other thing there is the potential backup quarterback for them in coming years. Once we see what they do at the position, if they draft uh, with Nick Foles. So, you know, I, I like, I actually like a lot of the wide receivers at their current values and Fournette's probably the only one I'm still not buying just because that's the way I work. But Foles' price has kind of gone up a little bit, even though he is surrounded with a lot of guys that fit his skill set pretty darn well. Are you seeing Foles as an overvalue here? I I would say he's overvalued because... The d-
1: general dynasty thought right now, I think, is that he's a multi-year starter, which I think is far from any sort of guarantee. Uh, one dynasty poll that I would think ch- kind of shows the picture of his value right now, uh, someone asked a 2021 first or Nick Foles. Certainly, that there's risks and you know different factors involved in both, in Superflex, of course, and it was 50-50. And for, for me, I think that even if Nick Foles is an NFL starting quarterback, I don't think he's worth that first. I, I think that, you know, he's a guy that you have as your third, fourth quarterback as an emergency. He's not a guy that's going to be winning you a championship. So if I'm moving a first, I want a, a, a guy that's going to be make, making a difference in my championship run. And I don't see that being Nick Foles. So I'll take the first over him. But it was a 50-50 deal. And I, I, I'd, I prefer the first.
2: Yeah, and you know, Foles is on most teams now. If you've got a team that's really like running back heavy, wide receiver heavy, and you're kind of playing that stream type game with with quarterback and tight end, like a lot of folks like to do, and and not too worried about those other positions, you, you know, Foles may be your guy. But if you're if you're built for success, honestly, and and built kind of not necessarily you know just like strong across the board, but You've got a little bit of strength everywhere. Nick Nick Foles isn't going to be your starting quarterback on a, on a weekly basis. He's going to be a guy you put in on bye weeks. If you get the dreaded double bye in a super flex league and you're forced your hand to put him in there, that's really the time he's going to see the field. Unless somebody gets hurt, then his value may go up a little bit. But obviously, we can't assume someone else on a different team is going to get hurt, and which automatically is going to move his price tag up. So uh, I don't I don't really see a way where he's the starting quarterback there for another a year beyond twenty twenty. I, I feel like this year is a guarantee he's the starter, but even twenty twenty could be real questionable because I would imagine they'll probably still have a bad record, be drafting relatively early and be looking at a quarterback. So yeah, it's that's a tough one. And then over to Washington, there's another group that's you know, obviously if Dwayne Haskins coming in now at, at quarterback. Wide receivers are all, I'll um, all just kind of whatever, nothing, no, nothing flashy, nothing crazy. And then you look at the backfield, and the prized possession here is someone that's not even seen the field yet, and that's a little bit scary to me. Uh, as much as I liked Darius guys coming out, as high as I was on him, ooh man, that's a that's a tough ask to to, to go out and get somebody that hasn't hasn't set foot on a field yet. I don't love even, you know, he's like a fourth round pick right now, but still I feel like there's so much risk involved there and we don't know that he's fully healthy. Obviously we can watch any amount of drills of him hopping over cones or or catching a pass or whatever it happens to be. It's just really, really tough to to go out and say that he's undervalued for sure or even correctly valued. I, I just feel like that's a really tough, tough ask.
1: Yeah, Geis is the overvalued one in the Redskins offense because he's really the only one that can lose value over the course of the year. But I I do think for the first time in his career, his price is actually, you know, pricing in the risk of the Redskins offense, as well as the injuries. You know, I'm actually okay taking him in the fourth round of startups, and I think he's going in the fifth, sixth round of redraft. I I think that for for once, his price is actually looking a little bit palatable, uh, but in general, I do think he's overvalued in the scheme of the Redskins offense.
2: All right. We're going to play just a little tiny game here. We've got a whole bundle of running backs between, uh well, just pretty much in your top 50, between like 38 and 50 in startup drafts. So we are going to play a little bit of Darius Geis or – are you ready, Nathan? Let's go. Darius Geis or Aaron I'm sorry, Jones. We're talking, we're talking Dynasty, right? Yes, in Dynasty. Okay. Geis or Jones – I'll take Jones. Okay. Darius Geis or Sony Michelle? Geis. Wow, okay. Darius Geis or Derek Henry? Geis. Wow. All right. Uh well this one's an easy one. Darius Geis or Damien Williams. Geis. <laughs> uh David Montgomery. Geis. Miles Sanders. Sanders. Interesting. And last but not least, uh Devonta Freeman. Uh, it depends on the team wow okay so and, uh, according to nathan geist may be a little bit undervalued we could slide him up about a full round and i'm probably honestly i think in this group in the order that they're in according to adp is aaron jones sony michelle derrick henry damian williams david montgomery miles sanders then geist and then Freeman. So those were all guys that, according to ADP, are in front of him aside from Freeman. And honestly, I'm probably only moving him up over the the rookies and Damian Williams. And that's still six or, six or eight picks right there. So maybe maybe you're right. Maybe this is the sweet spot for Geis. But I think you are right where he's really the only guy in this offense that can lose value. By finding out that the knee isn't there, or that he's not healthy for some other reason, so we could see uh, him fall off a steep cliff, or we could see him gradually climb back up into those top three rounds, and maybe by this time next year, he's he's a top twenty-five pick. So today, again, we talked about undervalued and overvalued folks. We flipped the script from last week by talking about undervalued players in good offenses, and then overvalued players in bad offenses. We were even joined by our good pal, John Bosch, to come on and do a little promotion for his Eliminators, which helped raise money for Fantasy Cares, Toys for Tots, uh, obviously, to do a little bit of work with Scott Fish and Scott Fish Bowl as well. So we appreciate John being here and make sure you go and sign up for those. Mine still has a few spots available. Nathan's apparently drafting. So congratulations, Nathan. And again, if you weren't, if you cut out the beginning of the show or for some reason you decided to skip to the end who knows Uh, i will be donating ten dollars per player that outlasts me in my eliminator so uh definitely some charity going around one way or another and uh, make sure you you show us a little bit of love on itunes give us those ratings uh those five stars make sure you get your reviews in and i mean that gets you into the uh, little rotoviz giveaway too so hop in there show us how much you love us because we love you we all love nathan We don't really love Dan, but Nathan, you got anything left for us? Kadoosh. Kadoosh it is. We will see you all next time.
3: catpackg.com
5: nobody builds 5g like verizon builds 5g because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in america and the more you do with 5g the more building it right matters the more your network matters the more verizon engineers going the extra mile matters it's us pushing us it's verizon versus verizon 5g built right from america's most reliable network Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.